0: On the show today, my guest and I had a pure and very real psychic moment, and it tripped us both out. (laughs) You're going to hear it. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: I've lived a revolution, every season come and gone. I'm looking to the sky, what's taking so long? I've been counting constellations and I'm still waiting on mercy rising. You slip between my fingers, but you never slip my heart. Some otherworldly pull won't let us drift apart. Yeah, if they were mine, I'd trade the sun, the moon, and all the stars for mercy rising. So I can see the light of mercy on
0: his That is the music of my guest today on the program, Maya Sharp. Let me tell you a little bit about Maya Sharp. All right, so you're going to have to wait for the psychic moment because it shows up in the interview. But in the meantime, because you're not psychic, let me give you some background on Maya. The California-born singer-songwriter wrote her first song at five. So it's no surprise that over the years, her compositions have been recorded by, and by the way, this is going to be a murderer's row of talent, so get ready. Bonnie Raitt, Keb Moe, Cher, Art Garfunkel, Paul Carrick, and Trisha Yearwood. More Maya Sharp resume items. And mind you, this is a partial list. She's toured all over the U.S. and the U.K., She's appeared on NPR's All Things Considered, CBS Early Morning, and The Today Show. She's an adjunct professor at NYU's Summer Songwriter Workshop, and she's been writing for Songwriting with Soldiers, where active duty service members team up with songwriters who help them turn their stories into songs. I got her first record, which was called Hardly Glamour, way back in 1997, and since then she's put out nearly 10 solo albums. Her newest is Mercy Rising, and it's a straight-up stunner. Filled with poeticism, wisdom, and observational grace, Mercy Rising is a moving collection that's a perfect balance of elegance and intensity. Maya and I had a great chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it, so let's get to it. Here's me and Maya Sharp right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. as a Californian as you walk around Tennessee?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've only been here for two years. And also because I came here while I was living in LA, like I was coming pretty regularly um, for like a week or two at a time um, for a good 20 years or so. So even being here now, I still have some of that residual subconscious Oh no! I still live in LA. I'm just traveling to Nashville. (laughs) Like it hasn't really completely settled in in all the ways yet, and especially because you know the last year we could be anywhere. You know we're doing things that aren't necessarily centric to our city. So I haven't had quite enough time to like, oh, this is Nashville. You know.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I ask you that question, and behind you is a California pillow.
2: But yeah, I'm pretty loyal. Yeah. And then the cassette one is oh there, there we go. That's a really yeah, good Yeah, that one. one's actually my favorite one.
0: I love that one. Yeah, that <laughs> one's great. Um how in the last year has your creative process been informed by what's happened? Has it has it revealed new strengths and has it revealed um a resilience that you didn't know was there creatively?
2: Yes, I think it, it I think it has. I think those are two of the silver linings that I've managed to mine out of this. I think, I think we're all looking for those, right? Like there's those first, you know, two or three months, at least for me, that was like, I'm not feeling creative. I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna work on the house. And I, I had moved in, to this place fairly recently. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to do. So it was really easy to distract myself with house stuff. In fact, there's a song on the record about that, things to fix. <laughs> it's like, to fix. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I, I, <laughs> oh, look at that. I could redo the doorknob and get a new key for that. Or I could look at like the, you know, the specter of like, you know, the personal changes that are hovering over, or I could go paint that room. So I did that for a while. Um, I did though, you know, it started to come around again, right about June. And I also let me throw in, I had the virus in March and I was out for like a month. I got pneumonia with it. It was gnarly. And so it wasn't really till April where I could really just look at like, okay, what am I doing now anyway? So it took me a couple months. And I think uh, the Patreon adventure is what first kind of pulled me out of it. So I started a Patreon page. And I kind of threw my hat over the wall like, okay, I can, I can promise anything that I want at any level that I want. So what am I going to, you know, commit to doing to whoever signs up for this thing. And just in that promise, you know, I'm doing like a video check in, like, once a week, and that's not really my favorite thing to like hear my own speaking voice or look at a camera and talk in it for a couple of minutes. So I knew that would be challenging. And also the more that I did it, the kind of easier it would be. I promise a new song to all of my people every month or some like old unreleased song. So that has made me go back into the archives and look for old stuff. It's kept me honest to keep the new stuff rolling. Um, I promise, you know, at a certain level, you get a workshop, you get like a 30 minute workshop. And at the highest level, you get a custom song, a year hand, handwritten lyrics. So there's all these things that like once they sign up and pay, I got to show up for these things. And it, it's it been really helpful. It's been such a symbiotic thing because I know that, you know, I feel like they're, they're really getting their money's worth, but also I'm getting that you know fire under me to like okay it's time for a new song okay it's time for that online stream show and that really helped you know to get the new engines revving again
0: because if it wasn't for that you would just be fixing things around the house
2: <laughs> yeah and like the occasional like zoom house concert you know before yeah. i started to go out into the world again which um starting the end of 20 so fortunately this is probably saved my mental health more than anything. I did start to travel again. I start so I, I've been working with an organization called Song, Songwriting with Soldiers for about four years. And we've been going into, dropping in for one evening and a morning into these programs called the Warrior Path, P-A-T-H-H, Progressive and Alternative Training for Healing Heroes. And we go all over the country to these sites and drop in and write with all of the veterans there at the same time. So that kind of human energy, because otherwise it's like my dog and me, that's, I mean, I love them, but oh my God, like I've, this is like, have been a whole other level of like alone, <laughs> you know? So to get out there in the world, to work with these incredible people that are sharing their story, just, it's been, so helpful. And I've been doing a couple of those a month. So yeah, between the Patreon thing, between the album, you know, finishing the album and the promo for that. And then, you know, the soldiers experience, it's been like, okay, I can, I can survive this.
0: Yeah. And also with, even with being sick, you found this gear of productivity in the last year, really, that's pretty impressive.
2: Well, after I was, yeah, I didn't have any gears while I was sick. <laughs> I had a couch gear and th- that was it. But after that, yeah, it was, after that I was like, okay, well I have more time than usual. What am I going to do? And I can't, you know, I can't, you know, let the muscle, you know, you know, atrophy, like I, I got to keep on writing I got to do this and to find a purpose for it, you know, where is that? And the Patreon thing ended up being that. And the songwriting with Soldier's thing is absolutely that. I mean, I can't really think of a better purpose than like real time right there, making a song that these incredible people can now share with their people, you know, and it's a song of their story. Like, I'm not even there. I'm just the way that it gets into a song. I love it.
0: It kind of reminds me of back in like the Trojan War where they would have like a bard would, would actually sing songs of, in, it's almost what, like the what's first- What's going or, on. Yeah, 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 right. It's like, funny, yeah. Right, like it's, and those songs were about literally like like live tweeting what was happening in the war.
2: Right, okay, sorry, but that totally takes me to Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the guy that's following behind him. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or, or, or was that the life of Brian? I forget. But one of oh, them has Holy, a troubadour. <laughs> I think
0: it was Holy Grail. I know.
2: I thought I had the same thought. <laughs> All in saying exact like every single thing that's happening, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> literally.
0: <laughs> There's a really funny moment in the Odyssey where Odysseus is disguised. He's come back home. He's disguised. Or no, he's not home yet. He's visiting. He's somewhere in a kingdom. I can't remember where. And the bard sings a song about Odysseus's exploits, and Odysseus is in disguise and he starts crying because he's so moved, and he says to the bard, he says, play another one about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know. Like, that. <laughs> such an arrogant character, but anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so just out of curiosity, when you were sick, just to, and we'll get off that in a second, but That's when right. you were sick, what happens when you're in couch gear? To the creative mind, like does it shut down too?
2: No, it's. I think it's. It's just frustrated that if I have idea. In fact, I do remember kind of um, trying to say ideas into my phone, you know, f- you know, for later. Um, yeah, it was more of a frustration than it was like a. Oh, this is over, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I just I had to just really focus on trying to get through that. I'd never felt that lousy in my life.
0: Yeah, I I find that when when any kind of sickness at all, even a cold, you start making promises to yourself, like, when well, this is over.
2: Right, yes. I promise to be faithful to my craft and to be a better friend and a better daughter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anything, please. I know that's such a human thing, right? To like, when you're really scared, you try to strike a deal <laughs> with whomever it is that, you know, you're striking it. <laughs> right.
0: Right. With the universe, yeah. you start, you start going down the list, you know, of, yeah. of, of things you could do better. Um, this show is really focused on, on the present moment, but I do want to just go back to the past really quickly. I remember when I yeah. first got your, your first album, which was the, an uh, ARC 21, I think, isn't that right?
1: Yes. It yeah, was
0: I remember I got that one and I was so just in love with that. And, and, and your Thank work you. has been so uh, important to me over the years, but, When you look back to your trajectory of of from the ARC-21 record to now, Mm -hmm. is this something you could have predicted that you would have gone the way you've gone? Or was there even a plan in place?
2: I think I knew enough to know that I didn't know. (laughs) If that makes any sense. I mean, I I learned pretty early on that when I I try to predict and plan um, that is just kind of a waste of time. Like I've been just head down writing what I feel like I want to put out into the world and making albums that, you know, you know, I'm proud of. And I've had, I've also been very, very fortunate that all of my record deals. And I think, I don't know, this is kind of a dubious honor, but I've, I think I've had five, (laughs) they've all been kind of small to, you know like small to medium and they've all allowed me kind of all the time that i need so i can i can definitely get the product that i want to be out there so um i feel like that's all i was really focused on it's almost like it's almost like when you're trying to hit the ball like if you look up too soon you know you're just going to whiff the ball like you have to just focus on the ball <laughs> or you, or it won't be hit at all you know so so i've always just kind of focused on the work at hand now and whatever you know you know whatever returns happen okay great you know as long as i presented that authentic thing whatever i was at the time which fortunately has changed you know through the years like it's yeah every album had their had their own snapshot of where I was at the time, you know, my first album, I was 25 years old. Right. So I would hope that I would be different now. (laughs) And now I feel like I'm, I'm bringing more, definitely bringing more real life story. Like it's definitely more true to what's happening now. And it's not, it's not so scattered with all of these, these different, you know, pursuits of like oh i just need to do like you know a funny crafty one or i okay now i need a ballad or, okay now I, need, I was just like okay here's what happened <laughs> there's the album <laughs> you know, hopefully you like it and if you don't i'll be all right
0: <laughs> and has the has your narrative in terms of your songwriting point of view has the narrative um the narrative choices have those expanded for you from, say, from that, you know, from the very first album when you're 25 years old, of course, obviously there's massive change, but Mm -hmm. in terms of perspectives that you choose to write from, has that, has that expanded and changed over the years quite a bit?
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's expanded and changed in the way that just being a human that's been on the planet for longer, I just see more perspectives than I saw. And also, I mean, you know, I'm. Probably going to bring this up a few times because it has really shifted me as a person too. But writing with you know, writing with veterans and soldiers and family members, um, that that has just shifted the way I you know I look at other people, the way I look at myself, my just kind of overall perception and um, empathy also. I think it's really helped me to kind of ring out, find like all of the empathy that I have and use it all the time. And I don't know that I was doing that in the past and it could have just been, you know, youth or that I hadn't been and I hadn't had these experiences yet and, and been in a room with people that are like wide open. So yeah, I think it, it, has shifted but I I don't know that I'm thinking about that shift from a songwriter point of view or just like that's just who I am now and it's coming out in the songs but I did intentionally get more of myself and more of my stories into the song so I guess it it does all Mm. kind of all connect yeah
0: that's interesting that that you so you found that you were right can you say a little more about that because I think that's really fascinating
2: well the last couple years have been just. I was going to say riddled with, rife with change, (laughs) Um, uh, you know, my, my relationship of 21 years uh, ended at the end of 2018, moved here at the beginning of 19, found the place a few months later. Professionally, I knew I was still going to write songs, but I didn't know exactly how that was going to look. So, I mean, here, and then of course the big change that happened right around the corner beginning of 2020, so there's just been um there's been more and larger changes lately than ever at any other other point um you know yeah at any other point in my life i'm thinking about it like no there's nothing that's compared to this um uh so that i'm i felt i felt like i needed a way to get through that and i wasn't really finding it with the, uh, you know, exercise more, you know, have have less wine, have more wine, uh, you know, try to meditate, uh, be out with friends, isolate, you know, phone therapy, like what I, I, it's like, I was just trying a bunch of stuff to get through it. And none, none of it was really moving me forward. And I should have known then and, of course, it would it would be putting it into some kind of a creative outlet, which for me is writing songs. So the actual writing of the songs about the true stuff and getting it recorded and, and now getting it out in the world ended up being the therapy that I really needed just to move through all of those changes.
0: Yeah, because, a, you know, the, the dissolution of a relationship a geographical upheaval, and then a global pandemic. I mean, I think that's a pretty good uh, triptych of of difficulty to be facing in a high concentrated amount of time.
2: Yeah, and also they were both like, it's, part of me was like, am I, am, am I crazy a little bit? Like, I never thought I was gonna leave my marriage. I never thought I was gonna leave, you know, the state of California. You know, I was born and raised there. Like, I've just, I've been California can you see
1: it?
2: I'm in California through and through, like, and I was kind of just like, who, okay, what's happening now? It's still, it it felt right, but I just, I wasn't quite centered with it yet, and anyway, I took the music as usual.
0: (laughs) How are you with change, just in, in a general sense?
2: In general, pretty bad, yeah, like, I remember breaking down uh, earlier in my life over things that like, really, that's like, I remember. (laughs) It's so funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's actually, it's actually sad, but the, how far I took it, the neighbor's tree hung over our yard. I was in high school and the neighbor decided to rip out the tree. So that tree was gone now for us too. And I lost it. Like I was so upset for like a week, like just crying that they had done that. First of all, that they had killed a tree for their stupid swimming pool and that we didn't have that shade anymore and that beautiful thing and that change, that thing that I saw every day when I went outside, isn't there anymore. And I just was like thrown, I was really thrown. And there's been a few things along the way like that, like no. That's the way I picture it. You can't change that. Right. <laughs> you know? So to do this was just like, who is what's going on? Changes is a monster, and it's odd though
0: because I found that if I start to Marie Kondo any part of my life, whether it's actually getting rid of things or maybe moving on from certain people that maybe don't seem very healthy to be around, or or whatever it might be, I always kick against that. But once I do it, I can't remember. For example, I can't remember what that tree was like when it was there. All I can remember is the new reality. And I've found that I don't miss something once I get rid of it, which, which I always w- was afraid was the, I'd be the opposite of. And this, this, is, this is a new thing. This is me as a 50-year-old man. When I was, when I was four, 14, I was, you know. It didn't know, work that way. <laughs> no, no, it did not work that way. <laughs> okay. Maybe when I was 48, it didn't work that way either. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it does. And I find that to be one of the, it's a short list, one of the nicer things about getting older.
2: It is. Yes. And I mean, yeah, it took it took me a while. It wasn't like, oh, it's gone, so, you know, you know, I'm not going to miss it. I mean, I still miss a lot of things that a lot of things that that I left and that I changed. But yes, it definitely. It's it's on the long list of things that are easier now at you know, 50 as opposed to 25. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and in some ways it's kind of a relief.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also just the, I mean, you know, being in a album cycle, I don't even know if that's, that's really a term anymore because I think we can, we can, we can try to get our albums out there for as long as we want. It's not like, Oh, your cycle is six weeks long and then that's it. Right. But you know, having this new album out, I, I am legitimately totally fine. With whatever the response is, like I feel great about this album. I left it all on the field. It it sounds exactly the way I want it to sound, and the team of people that are on it, you know, the co-writers and the players, like yes, in it. If you don't love it, move on. <laughs> it's fine. It's like there's no like really why. Oh well, what uh, what should I change for next time? Like okay. We'll go find something that you do love. I mean, right. this is the shit. Like I like the, yeah. I, I feel great about it. I'm I, you know. <laughs> isn't
0: isn't it great? Isn't it great to feel great about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like and to acknowledge like you can only do what you can do and just feel empowered there and just like fill that up from your side. And then whatever comes back. And also, I mean, of course, when you have that attitude, more comes back. <laughs> than when right. you're, than when you're more desperate and waggy about it,
0: <laughs> right? Because you you've let go, and so you have no attachment to what right. happens, and then you, it's almost like you, the universe understands that you have this sort of permeable heart now.
2: Well, hopefully yes. Hopefully <laughs> that'll be understood. We're kind of just getting rolling on it, but um, I mean, yeah, it'll be out uh, on the seventh of May.
0: Yeah. And is is um, just in terms of album cycle pressure, um, mm-hmm. no one's talked about that before. Was that something that you were aware of in the in the old days when there was a yeah. more business
2: Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. There was like, it, I mean, there would be that occasional thing that was kind of bouncing around for a year before people really took hold of it. But for the most part, you had a window. Like, you know, like it was like, you know, a broccoli or something, like it's going to go bad. Like right? <laughs> what, like it, it only has some, you know, like you can only work at your radio for so long before it's just, it's not going to take, or you can, you know, press needs to have it exactly this far before the release. And then if it's too far after the release, it's old, what else do you have? You know, what's next? Um, yeah. And also like, you know, submissions to the awards, stuff at it all. It's all based on the release date and all that stuff. Now, and I think it's a good thing that so much of that has loosened up. And, yeah. it's, and we just, you know, it's such, there's still kind of a wild west about how to release music. And some of that is not helpful. Like how little songwriters are paid is still, uh, you know, just a travesty. Um, but the other part of how the rules are kind of dissolving, I think that's helpful, especially now after the pandemic, when so many of us had projects that were like, okay, when should I release this? Can't really tour around it when I would have normally. So you tour around it a few months later, you tour around it when it's safe to tour around it. And it's not old and, you know, withered. (laughs) <laughs> At that point, it's just this is when you're touring.
0: Yeah, it's when my first book came out. I finally understood how musicians might feel because I remember after about the third or fourth <laughs> week that it was out, I could tell my new book was now considered old. I was like, "Oh shoot, this is no longer new anymore." Because that's so a,
2: ridiculous. That's crazy.
0: There's like yeah. a fleet of of new material coming. Everyone else has a new book coming out a week later you know, a week and a half later, and, there's,
2: and suddenly the new stuff becomes the old stuff quickly. Yeah, but I mean, wh- when, and I'm I'm betting it's like, since, you know, since forever, but why would new ever be defined as new from the person putting out and not new to the person who is receiving? It's still new to millions of people. why can't it just be new to them a year later what's the what's the difference
0: it's a it's a fair question if it's it's old to anybody it's the artist because the artist has cooked it up two years ago
2: yeah yeah and that you know that can be a you know a bummer for the artist to be out there for four years working the same thing whatever but if they want to do that and they still feel like it has some life in it it's still new to a bunch of people. I have discovered many books and many albums and many like shows and movies a year or two later. And I'll be all excited about it. I'll be like, Hey, have you seen this? And people will be like, Yeah, that was like two years ago. Okay, well, I just found it and I loved it. So who cares? Oh, it's two years ago? Oh, it sucks. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so ashamed <laughs> that I <Yeah. laughs> that I listen to old music. <laughs> cares. I I guess it's only new in the sense of
0: new and old is like in the business side of it right that's sort of how it applies Mm -hmm. to oh that uh, because I remember working in in, um, college radio as a dj and I remember the college radio publicist would work a record for sometimes months and I always thought that was normal but that really is not normal.
2: No I think those there are a handful of formats that will you know expand that I think Maybe. And actually, I probably shouldn't even talk because I have never been worked to like hot IC or pop or anything like that. But I have a feeling that's where those windows are really brutal. Yeah, for, yeah, I
0: would think that's true. Do you, would you consider yourself um, an introverted person? Yes, sir. You <laughs> <laughs> so when you, yes. when you turn on the camera and do, um, you know, a, a live stream, does a live stream feel different to an introvert than a live performance on a stage in front of, in front of a crowd?
2: Yes. It's, it's easier. Although I I will say that, you know, again, not being 25 anymore, it, it has gotten easier and easier. It's just something that I had to do. I just kind of had to, log those flight hours, you know, and get up on stage a lot. So now it's a lot easier and I do enjoy it. It always takes me like a song or two to kind of settle in, but I always do enjoy it. And it's, if I guess I could say it takes less time to settle in on the live stream, just cause I really, you really are like in your room, you know, staring at a light. Um, I try to put myself there. Like I try to imagine that the people that I'm seeing on the screen are are in the room and trying to like create some energy. That is the challenge to create like, you know, a show energy and I'm not doing like a show show, but just like to really, to really be engaged when you're, you know, you're staring at a, a blue light.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. But, it, but doesn't it feel, cause when I, when I started having to teach college online exclusively and we were out of the classroom, it really for the first few months felt too intimate for me. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like to um, be in front of a, a group of students. I love chatting with them. I love doing readings, but this felt to me, it kind of shook me a little bit, how terrible I was at it and how intimate it felt. And it was, so it's not it, So for an introvert, it's not too intimate for you.
2: No, no. And I, Same. you know, I think I like that about it. Um, like i've always preferred the smaller clubs you know i always like to play like 100 to 250 i i like i like that i mean not that i've had a lot of experience with the larger ones but like when i'm opening up shows some you know some of them are big like you can't see past the fourth row <laughs> like that's big and yeah and that's kind of a mind screw and i, I i've always just you know kind of preferred the small ones so the so that aspect of it, where there's just a handful of people watching, or it's just a one-on-one or whatever, that that has been fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I imagine that the the gaze is a different gaze, right? So if you're in front of all those people, um, whether it's two two fifty is a lot, whether it's two fifty or you can't see past the fourth row, you're aware of being looked at. Every move you make is being looked at.
1: Yep. Right. Yep. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, and your perspective like when you're uh, when you're in that in that situation, I don't know, obviously I don't know how everybody handles it, but like I tend to just kind of look off <laughs> like over everybody. Like you don't it's it's a little creepy to like focus in like eye contact with the front row, you know, or like right. really one-on-one. So it has more of a like just out there kind of situation where In the smaller clubs, it feels more like we're just hanging out in this, you know, you know, like, you know, like in somebody's living room that just happens to be really big. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's how that, that approach to getting up on stage is really what helped me to turn a corner and like not be freaked out about it. Because it's so against my nature to like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm the center of the stage. Everybody watch and listen to every word I say. Like that's who No. like I started out writing songs, loving the writing of the songs and then realized if I want to get all these songs out into the world, maybe I'll get some of them recorded by some other artists, which has happened. And I've been very fortunate there, but I'm not going to get them all recorded. I'm probably going to have to do it myself. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Like it was, it was that like right around 23. I was like, oh man, I love this songwriting thing so much. I'm going to have to figure out how to get up there and be comfortable. And it took, it took a while to do it. It took just like doing shows, just be uncomfortable until you're not. Does that mean? It's like, it's, you know, the same with songwriting. I've had, I've had people ask, okay, so like, what's the secret? Like the secret is to write and be okay that your first few songs probably suck and you're just kind of getting your feet and just keep going. Like you just have to do it. That's how you feel it out. And that's what I did with, you know, being on stage and now I do enjoy it. But at some point along the way, I was like, why don't I just, we're all just hanging out. You know what really helped was, oh my God, the Bonnie Raitt shows. Cause Bonnie, she, she recorded three of my songs and then asked me if I would open for her And I walked out there and of course, being an introvert, walk out in front of those crowds, which for her, they were that first run that I did with her were the intimate venues in her, her version of that, (laughs) which is like 1200 to 2000 or something like that. So it's a room full of Bonnie Raitt fans, one of whom I am. (laughs) So it got, it hit me like, yeah, I can either be scared out of my mind or I can just be one of them. And we're all just like enjoying this night and we get to see this artist that we love. So I walked out there, was like, I'm a fellow Bonnie Raitt fan. So, so nice to meet you all. Let's hang out. Like it was, it was that kind of mentality. And it took so much edge off of it. It was just like a casual hang and it worked really well. It worked. And like, all the shows went went well, and my psychology of it was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know your name, but I know you, because you're a Bonnie fan, and you know me. You don't know me, but you do. We're all just fans, and it worked, it worked. <laughs> and I'm kind of just taking that
1: forward, like, we're all just hanging out. I tried to put you on the back burner, but you simmer on low, while I tended to the party. Overflow
0: her before but she doesn't seem like an extrovert either. She seems like a quiet, mellow person. I I don't know if that's true.
2: Yeah, I think she's both cuz she, she I feel like she can call on whichever whichever one. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure how she would identify into extro. Yeah.
0: Well, you but seeing how she performed mm-hmm. did that also inform your own god, yes.
2: Yeah, she's she's very familiar with her crowd as well and it has that sense of like we're all friends it's just such an easy but she also has mastered this uh the balance of that of just like we're all you know we're all pals and um a confidence and a swagger that's like yeah we're all pals but i'm gonna kick some ass now but with no arrogance there's no ego it's just like i'm gonna bring you a great show and ain't it cool that we're all friends it's like how do you how do you ride that line but she's been riding it for years and she just great gave killer show after show after show it was so cool
0: i spoke to tara lightfoot who i'm not sure if you know her mm-hmm. um canadian uh singer songwriter like a blues guitar player and she opened for bonnie a couple times and she cool. said that she would uh she opened for her or she went to go see her play? I can't remember. But she said that she, that Bonnie Raitt would literally, um, with a gesture of her head to her, to one of her musicians, like, you know, they knew exactly what that gesture meant. It was like, she has such power that she could just literally, a glance Mm -hmm. dictates what happens uh, orchestrally
2: or musically, right? Yeah. And she's also very, um, you know, she, she is, easy with sharing, sharing the spotlight. So that was probably for her player to take a solo. Right. And right just, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they know that that could be an invitation at any time because Bonnie doesn't hoard it. You know, she might just like, you know, throw something over to the B3 or throw. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah. She's, she's kind of the Dean.
2: Oh oh yeah yeah and and she should be she's a badass
0: yeah yeah like a legitimate badass have (laughs) you have you maintained friendships over the 30 years that you've been in this business or so have you has it been easy for you to maintain friendships with folks in the industry
2: um yeah with some i mean with her yeah Uh, we met in 2005 and and yes we're still very good friends um she lives in california and you know i'm here here now but um as far as like the whole span like friends that i have that i met early on i actually just reconnected with a couple of a couple of friends um it's funny the you know the pandemic might have sparked like a another layer of that like it doesn't matter where we, oh it turns out it doesn't matter where we live geographically <laughs> Like if I want to reconnect with somebody and have a writing session with somebody who lives in Chicago, Oh, I can do that. It's like, it's something that I wasn't really doing before. So some of those older connections are starting up again because there's nothing in the way of them anymore. And I mean, I guess there never was, but now we're realizing that there's not.
0: Yeah. Which is really kind of nice to say we're, we're all, we're closer than we realize.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: um, Louise Goffin has these wonderful writing workshops that, um, and she's
2: been on the show a couple of times. She's where, the one I've just reconnected with. Are you kidding me? Wait, no, seriously? Yeah. That's weird. I swear to God. That is crazy. That's we we wrote together at a songwriting retreat in probably 98 or 99. And Louise and I have just reconnected. We've talked a couple of times on the phone and we're going to write by Zoom in... couple weeks okay sorry I that was just so random I I I had to say of all the people okay so okay yes so she uh she has a podcast
0: yes and that's really strange though um that is pretty bizarre (laughs) wow um see but two Californians can pick up on on I guess
1: um
0: but she has these, these wonderful songwriting workshops and she really is a great Her tutelage for young aspiring songwriters is so generous and brilliant and helpful Mm -hmm. and marvelous. And I wonder, you know, it's so the joy of songwriting, the the encouragement um, that she offers, I think it's just priceless. But it is, there's the danger for a lot of young writers is to over intellectualize the, the songwriting process. And I wonder. Um, how do you help people when you're, when you're doing workshops, how do you show them that there is a sort of a fine line between just letting it go and maybe overthinking it?
2: Um, the only way I really know how to workshop is to pretend like I am writing the song with them. I just kind of imagine that, that I am a co-writer in the room, like, hey, why don't we try this? or this feels like it might be overstating or that story that you just told me what your song is about i'm not really getting that from your song and your story is awesome so let's make sure that we get your story across like you can overstate you can understate be too vague about it and it won't land who are you trying to reach are you okay with this line? It's a little arrogant. Is that okay? (laughs) You know, there's like, so I do, I mean, I kind of do like what I would, what I would do if I were um, a co-writer, like with the artist where they have the last word where it's like, I'm there to serve what, whatever they want to say, you know? So um, yeah, I don't, I don't usually get into, you know, the structures of it because it's such, it's such a fluid thing. Like, A song can go so many ways. And I, you know, we've all loved songs that are completely different from each other in all of the ways, like from, you know, from the perspective, like a Randy Newman perspective, where he's an ass and half of his songs, you know, but that's important. Like he's, he's getting a message across like that. So it's easier to just kind of address it a song at a time. What are you trying to say? Here's how I would do that. Let's over, let's, let's go further here let's relax here, you know. Yeah, it's That's tricky
0: because, know it. you know, having come from, I was in graduate school for poetry and I know that the workshop process is so scary because it's sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, for somebody to, to kick against what you're doing feels so personal, um, yeah. even if it's coming from a really positive place. So um, it's a fragile moment because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You're not there to hurt anybody's feelings. You're there to help them, but people can yeah. take things the wrong way right
2: yeah and that's definitely happened yeah like if somebody's really you know you know really passionate about a line and it's not landing with anyone else you might have to look at that <laughs> i mean right. you know having just said that i don't care you know what might or might not return from the universe after that but i sure did when i was in my you know early 20s and into my thirties, like it's okay to, you know, as like a part of the process, like, okay. And then once you learn what, what that reaction was to your song, then you, you can apply it or not. I mean, there's, you know, there's been plenty of times where I give advice and they're super excited about it and they come back and they're like, you know what? I just felt like it was that first thing was like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's your song.
0: Right. Right. You use it or don't use it in terms Mm -hmm. of the notes, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I had a student once say to me, you know, he wrote a short story and I was helping him with it. He said, well, I just don't think you see what I'm trying to do. Right. And I thought, yeah, I don't. I don't see it. And here's ways to make that better if you, if, should you choose to. Um, But the risk is that you could send it out for publication and and I won't be the only one who doesn't see what you're trying to do.
2: Right. Um, And as long as you know, and I, I think when that happens I go in and ask them what what is their what is their you know final goal here like if if your main priority is that you just need to get this out in the way that you want to say it and you don't care at all if anybody understands it then you have achieved that. Yes. If you're really expecting if you're going to be disappointed that nobody really gets what you're saying um then you need to look at that and maybe you know but it's really like what do you want to get out of it like i'm not going to tell you like oh this is how to get on the radio it's like no what i can help you do what you want to do but you need to be clear about what that is
0: yeah i think that's very fair there's there's also i heard the comedian jay moore say that he he can't explain like, for example, the Monty Python moment that you and I were talking about a while ago, right? That's so Robin. funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh so much, the right? The coconut halves, right? Because he doesn't have a horse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I can't explain to you why I find that so funny, but I just find it really funny.
2: We all do. It's I mean, I'm still laughing about it. And yeah. I was like five when I saw that movie. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. And so there's, you know, to explain to someone scientifically why that's funny, um, I wouldn't be able to do. Um, so isn't there a right. part, right? There's a part of songwriting, there's a part of creation that you can't explain that mm-hmm. just simply has to be, is it's the magic that happens that simply can't be labeled.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's when whatever you are putting out there manages to resonate with another human. And I think that the way that you learn that kind of inarticulatable thing that either happens or not, the way that you learn it is to write more songs. Just keep on writing. And as you do it, and as you put them out there, and as you see where those little resonances are, is that a word, resonances? (laughs) When you see, where you see where those happen and where, where they don't, you take a note of it. Like you might not be able to explain why you've just improved at this thing, but just in the doing, you are probably better at it, a little, right. little bit better, you know.
0: But you, you have know. to, you've got I've to log been. those hours, right? You've you got just got it. to
2: keep on doing it. Yeah, you can't, I mean, somebody can't tell you how to resonate with another human. Right. You have to figure out what your way of doing that is, right? And that's all that this is. It's, you know, it's just making a connection through a poem or through a story, through a song. And you have to learn your way of doing that.
0: How are you collaboratively? Are you, do you think that, cause you seem like you'd be someone who'd be really good to work with. Um, do you consider yourself to be someone who's a good collaborator? And were you always that way?
2: Yes, I love it. In fact, my dad, Randy Sharp, was the very first songwriter that that I ever wrote with. And I think, I think I wrote with him, I think I'd written one song alone before I started to write with him. And he's just a wonderful craftsman and um, showed me a lot without saying, like, here's how it goes. He just showed me by how he writes. Um, And, yeah, I've been collaborating with other writers really since the, you know, since uh, the start. And my first record deal that you just brought up, Arc-21, the head of that label, uh, Miles Copeland, who I don't know if any of you have heard, there are many many stories of him. And he's just, he's like, he's a little crazy, but he's also kind of a genius. And he had this songwriting retreat at his castle in France. And I went to that because I wrote for him too. He published me. Um, I went to that like eight times. There was a, a span where it was happening twice a year so I went for like four years that's where Louise and I met um, and that's where her mom and I met too Carol King and um, they grouped us so there were 24 writers there each time they would group us in threes and we would write a song and record it at night and then wake up the next day and have a whole other group of three to write a whole other song and record it It was like the olympics like it was like it it was super intimidating really scary so of course i had to do it and it was all about the collaboration it was all about that and uh yeah i've just i've always kind of leaned on that and 10 of the 12 songs on this album uh are written with other people and they're all kind of hand chosen like okay i feel like this 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 little nugget of an idea. I want to bring this over to Mindy Smith, this little nugget. I want to bring this over to, you know, and I have somebody different on every one and only the last two are written alone.
0: Yeah. It's like a creative pit crew where, you know, this is the person, this is a specialist for this.
2: Yeah. And I just like to play with others. Like I've never been like a, I want to do, I mean, so much of it is done here. Anyway, I don't want it to just be in a vacuum the whole time, you know? So uh, thank God I did this. I started recording it at the end of 19. So I got to track it with a band, real humans in a room. So there was that energy. It wasn't just like me trying to find the samples and trying to play everything. It was like, no, great players. And then I brought it back here uh, for the vocals and the like, Wurlitzer, piano, acoustics, you know, um, which I could do here off the clock. Um, but I, I really like, and then like, I send it over to a mix engineer, Ryan Hewitt, who's awesome. So every, I don't keep it for too long, <laughs> you know, it's already, it already started as a swirl in my brain. Like I, I, I need to get, it needs to get air.
0: Right. Right. You said something a few minutes ago that I thought was really interesting where you said that when you were in France that at the writing workshops, that mm-hmm. you said, of course, that was terrifying. So of course I had to do it.
2: Oh God, um, yeah. I have to say yes when it scares you.
0: Right. So is is that, are you, are you comfortable making yourself uncomfortable then?
2: Yes. And I, well, I, even if I'm driven by perceived regret, <laughs> which is usually... Usually why I say yes, because I know in the back of my mind, if I say no week later, me is going to be like, you fucking coward. Why didn't you do that? What is your, you're never going to get through it if you don't just run through the wall, you know? So yes, I, I, I say yes.
1: Are, are
0: there moments where you remember having said no?
2: Um, really early on, I did that. And I started wondering, like, maybe I could have been good at it, but now I don't know, you know? And so I started saying, yes. So fortunately I picked up the, I picked up the yes, whatever we want to call it, baton. (laughs) I picked, I picked that up pretty early. I remember, it's funny. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. uh, God, who was it? I think, I think it was Greg, Wells, who's a great musician, producer, singer songwriter. And he had been signed to ARC 21 kind of right before me. And he had gone to one of the castles. And I called him and I'm like, oh my God, they called me to do this thing. So I'm going to fly halfway across the world. I think I'm 24. I'm going to fly halfway across the world. Carol King's going to be there. Jane Siberry's going to be there. Jules Shear is going to be I'm dead. I can't what the hell? I and I'm like introverted as as hell. Like even the idea of like standing up at the table in front of all those people and like introducing myself, that scared the crap out of me. How am I going to do this other thing and he's like, "Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary and you have to do it. <laughs> you can't not do this. You will kick yourself for years to come if you don't say yes to this. I was like, Oh, my God. Ah, and I did it. And then I did it seven more times. And it has really shaped me. And also the pushing through the fear of that because I was like, totally and like, jet lagged and like every it was all of the challenges were there. Yeah. you know? But I'm yeah, he was completely right. I would have just felt like such a, um, a coward if I hadn't done it, because I knew that Deep down, I wanted to be in those rooms. It was just all of the kind of social stuff that it was going to take to get there and be comfortable. But then I did it.
0: Yeah, because those are titans. I mean, Jane Seabury. I mean, she's maybe you know very, very. I think very underrated and and yes, better known. How how was she?
2: She's wonderful. So sweet. Really quiet. Introverted as. As, as well, like yeah. maybe even more than me. It was like, oh, I love that about you. <laughs> yeah. And just really nice and working hard. And yeah, it was great. I didn't have any bad experiences there.
0: Yeah. And also being in the room with Jane and Jules. And I mean, these are masters of songwriting.
2: I know. I know. Of course. I'm going to like, I'm just going to be a sponge for that whole, it was, it was a week. But it, we got a year's, a year's worth of learning in that week. I mean, you're, it's a lot is being asked of you, but also the environment is such that it's possible. So yeah, we did it. Yeah,
0: and also seeing how those people work in the same time constraint that you're having to work on. Your, your, that's the playing field. Yep. It's very level.
2: Yeah, and everybody was really honest, like, wow, this is faster than I'm used to wow, I'm going to go uh, work on this on my own. I'll, you know, I'll see you at the session. You know, I'll run some ideas back to you. Like, yeah, we were, we were honest if we wanted to change something or if, you know, we felt like we needed a little more time and just hearing that from people that had been doing it for longer than I had, like hearing them admit that like they're not, you know, olympian songwriters all the time but then the product again just to say the product that they would present would be just amazing and i feel like sides of me were brought out that i didn't know were there and i'm i'm really proud of a lot of those songs um some of them i recorded on subsequent albums although i hadn't even put out my first album yet but some of those songs that I wrote at the castle were on like album two and three and a a lot of friendships were forged there that are still, are still friends.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I think about Jane, for example, where her output, she doesn't have 25 albums though. She's been around for, you know, 30, 40 years as a songwriter. And I think about someone like Paul Buchanan from the blue Nile where there's like, Mm what, four records or something like that. I wonder, like, are you are you at home with a treasure trove of songs or are you, are you just notoriously slow um, or is it a perfectionism?
2: Like, it's hard to know what everyone's process is I and mean, who knows. Right, yeah. And, wh- I mean, I'm, I'm not quite as familiar with Paul, but the Jane Sibbery records that she has made are, you can tell some thought went into that. Yeah. Like, it, it's just lush and creative and surprising and all of those things that probably aren't going to happen in like a session from like two to six you right. know right you're, you're, you're gonna need a little stewing time to get her ideas out so i mean i'm fine like that handful of jane every records is they're so good i'd rather have that you know and yeah I, i'm about two or th- i do one about every two or three years and it's i do a lot of, i've 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 been straddling the fence since then, like since I first started with writing for other artists and writing for myself. So I'm always writing. It's just like, okay, when it feels like it's time to make a record again, I'll go through and look at what, if anything I want to put on that and then what I need to write to make it feel right for where I am now.
0: Yeah. Well, your new album is glorious. I love all you've, ever done. I, you're one of my favorites. And I, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time and I'm glad that we were able to do it.
2: I am so happy about that too. Thank you so much. Yeah. And for, tell, me and for listening from all the way back. I didn't, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. And tell Louise Goffin
0: that we psychically were summoning her.
2: That is crazy. It just is talked weird. to her a few days ago. We just booked our writing session and I mean also that you know we're talking about the castle and that's where louise and i met 20 years ago 25 years ago i don't
1: want to do the math but it's years ago. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah and she's just so cool and that she was the next name out of your mouth what was that
0: i don't know i don't really- know but she you know she's been such a good friend to the program and she's always just so generous with her time like we'll we'll talk for hours and I just love her so it's it's that is weird it's a really weird moment
2: yeah it must be uh it must be the California thing (laughs)
0: it's the California thing um well listen um thank you for taking the
1: time to do this I appreciate it oh absolutely thank you
0: great Maya Sharp the best uh, pick up her new album Mercy Rising it's fantastic mayasharp.com is where you need to go m a i a sharp.com go to my website alexgreenonline.com and uh, find out what's happening with me there is a new book you're about to be hearing about it get ready it's my attempt to uh, to write a summer banger that's that's always been my my goal uh, I'm not a musician, so I'm doing it in book uh, book form. Let's see if I pull it off. Uh, it's called Love Hop. Details will be forthcoming. Trust me. You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast. You can also email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Check out BombshellRadio.com and uh, find out what makes our radio station tick. And don't forget, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, maybe leave us a nice little rating, uh, a comment or two, tell all your friends, spread the word. Let's close the show with a fuller listen to the title track of Maya's new album, This is Mercy Rising. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers the Podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio.
1: I've lived a revolution Every season come and gone I'm looking to the sky What's taken so long? I've been counting constellations And I'm still waiting on Mercy rising You slip between my fingers But you never slip my heart some otherworldly pull Won't let us drift apart Yeah, if they were mine I'd trade the sun, the moon And all the stars for mercy rising I'm dead, oh So I can see the light of mercy in your It can come to me in a whisper from a stranger. In a sun-kissed shadow, dancing in my feet, in my windshield wipers, in the backside of the beat, I'm due a oh, hallelujah to roll. of